Welcome, everybody. Glad to have you guys here at New Life. How many of you guys are excited to be at church today? Today. Right now. Yeah. Come on, man. I love that. Thank you guys so much for being here at our Carney campus. I also want to say a big hello to everybody worshiping with us at our North Platte campus. God's doing great stuff at the North Platte campus, by the way, guys. I mean, we're just seeing some increased numbers of uh, average attendance and people getting saved and people getting connected in relationship. It's awesome. It's happening at Kearney as well. But I just want to say I'm proud of you guys out there. Uh, I also want to say hello to everybody worshiping with us online right now. Uh, you know, you might be traveling or you're homesick. And I, man, we're so sorry about that. But we're glad you could connect with us. Or you have to work right now uh, during our morning worship. And so you're connecting with us later on, right? Like later on this week because, you know, you guys realize that whenever you do miss on a Sunday, even if you're occupied on a Sunday morning, right after the second service, our service gets uploaded to our website at mynewlifechurch.com where you can go back and you can watch that message. Um, it's archived there actually forever until we decide to remove it. So uh, as an example, today is the last week of our current teaching series that we entitled The Lord's Prayer, where, we, where we've been looking at what Jesus taught uh, the church about praying, okay? And so it, it, since this is the last week, you might go, well, man, this is my first week. Like some folks, Chris and his family that I met out at the seven-minute party really quick, they were coming in early for this service. So I don't know where you're at in here, but I'm glad you're here and everyone else that's new today. So um, look, if this is your first week, you can go back to mynewlifechurch.com. You can actually watch these past messages. We've heard a lot of incredible feedback <clears throat> from people talking about how going through the Lord's Prayer has made such a difference in their life. And just breaking this, this scripture down, because it's not a passage that we're supposed to pray verbatim. It was Jesus going, look, pray like this. And so we're going to be tackling that here in just a minute. Before I do that, I want to say something to all of the dudes in the room, all right? All the males in the room, pay attention. Look at me right now, all right? Come on, eye to eye, all right? Man to man, face to face. That's how we deal with things. So here's the deal. We've got a men's conference. It's coming up on April 26th and 27th. Look at me. If you're not signed up, I'm personally inviting you right now, okay? I'm looking, I'm scanning looking deep into the eyes of you in North Platte, okay? Uh, look, if, if you haven't signed up, you need to get signed up because the price is getting ready to change and it's getting ready to change quickly. So you're gonna wanna go to mindylifechurch.com and click on the men's events and sign up. You can sign up online, pay online. Yes, it does cost money. You wanna know why it costs money? Because it's gonna be awesome, that's why. It's not gonna be, it's not gonna be cheap, it's not gonna be cheesy. All right, you're going to walk away and you'll be like, man, that was well worth it. And you're investing into your spiritual journey. So let me just get to the nuts and the bolts of why I want you to come. Man, I want you to come because I want to leave you better than we found you. I want you to be a better spiritual leader of your home. I want you to be a better spiritual father. I want you to be a better spiritual husband. I want you to be more like Jesus and reflecting the likeness of Christ in your home and leading with a greater confidence. That's why I want you to come. That, that is it. That's the bottom line. And we got a bunch of fun stuff planned. It's going to start Friday night at 7 and get done by noon, at noon on Saturday. You got the whole rest of the day. You're welcome. All right. So it's a true man event. Like it just, it hits hard. It finishes hard. It's going to be awesome. So hopefully you guys will come. If you already signed up, please bring a friend with you. Bring somebody with you. Bring somebody with you from your workplace, from the community, or even from our church. 
Bring them along with you. It's going to be amazing. Let's jump into the Lord's Prayer. It's a famous passage of Scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. We've been talking about it for the last few weeks. And what I want to do now is I just want us all to read it, and then we'll jump into the very last portion of it, and we'll tackle what it was that Jesus was trying to teach us. So it says, pray like this. Jesus was saying, look, pray like this. So why don't you say these words with me, okay? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. All right, look. We started up here, our Father in heaven, and that his name is holy. And this kicking that off. If you weren't here for week one, you got to go back and watch week one. It's just like it sets the tempo for the entire teaching series. Then we jumped right into may your kingdom come soon and then may your will be done. Those were two separate weeks. And we discovered really fast that may your kingdom come wasn't about, you know, some governance of Christ coming and ruling over every country, every business, every household in a physical manner. But it was inviting his kingdom to come in our hearts. And letting him sit on the throne of our hearts as our Lord and as our leader. And then therefore we could say, okay, now that you're sitting on the throne of our hearts, now you can, now you, we want your will to be done in our life. And we went on from there to dealing with the food that we need, um, you know, taking care of all the needs that we have, um, and then forgive us of our sins and uh, forgive those who sinned against us. I thought that Nate's, Pastor Nate, did an incredible job of that last week. Come on, right? Are you with me? And then this week we're going to tackle, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. There's a lot of people that think that God is the one who tempts them, that God is the one who leads them into sin, like that God is the one who brings us to a point where there's so much in front of us that we can't, we can't overcome it and that we just fail right there on the spot. And there's a lot of us that have blamed God for doing that. I want you to know right off the bat, that's not what Jesus is talking about here. Now, I know the word temptation is in there, and so you're kind of wrestling right now with, you know, our, our definition of it. But I want you to know very crisp and clear right off the bat, God is not the one who leads you or leads me into temptation. Look what James 1 says. It says, and remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, everyone say, do not say. Do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else to do wrong. That's just not the character or the nature of God. But watch where temptation comes from. Temptation comes from whose desires? Our desires, which entice us and they drag us away. So here's the deal. To us, the word temptation means to seduce someone into sin. So when we read the scripture, like don't, we don't want to yield to temptation or don't lead us into temptation like maybe some other versions or translations of the Bible will say very, very accurately. When we look at that word temptation, we see the seduction of sin. And we're like, 
Why would God lead me into a moment of being seduced to sin? I want you to know right off the bat, clearly God is not the one who leads people to a seduction of sin. He has no sin in him to do wrong, and he's not going to lead you and or me to there. So what was it that was being spoken of when it said, don't let us yield to temptation? The people that heard Jesus say those words as they were sitting there that day when Jesus was physically on this earth teaching this about how to pray, they heard, they heard him say the word and they understood exactly what it meant. They were understanding it from an ancient Hebrew perspective that when Jesus said to them, don't, we, look, pray this way, don't be yield to temptation, here's the word they heard for definition purpose. Don't let us yield to the test. It's a totally different word. It has a totally different connotation. It has a whole different meaning to it. Now, for some of you, you're like, don't let me yield to the test. Great. That doesn't make it any better. I'm no good at taking tests. It's a test, though, that's put before us that helps us to see our, our level of obedience, loyalty, helps us to see what our true spiritual maturity is. See, the reason why the people quickly understood what Jesus meant by, man, I, don't let me yield to the test, was because they would go back to something that, that they all were familiar with, the father of our faith in Abraham. They would have gone back to a patriarch of the faith in Abraham who had a son, Isaac. And if you don't know the story, um, it, it's going to be found in Genesis, but it's, an, it's off the charts incredible story where Abraham is old and ancient in his, in his days, and yet God provides for him a son that he had promised for him in Isaac. And as the son is growing, and I don't remember what the age was, uh, I, I just wasn't you know, up to speed on that one, that detail, but let's just say he was like 10 or 11 or something, then God says to him, look, the son I gave you, I want you to give him back to me. And I want you to give him back to me in this form, a sacrifice. No, no, got it, right? That sounds really crazy. And that, and that sounds like a crazy God, but you got to follow me on this one, right? It's the test that God is giving to Abraham. In fact, those are the exact words God uses in Genesis chapter 22, that sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Sometime later, after Isaac had grown up, God tested Abraham's faith. So God didn't tempt Abraham's faith to seduce him to sin. He tested him, testing him for his obedience, his loyalty, and his spiritual maturity in following him. There's a big difference between those two. And that when Abraham goes to sacrifice his son, right before the sacrifice happens, God goes, look, you're obedient, you're faithful to me, you're loyal. Look, there's the ram caught in the thicket. He's your sacrifice. And God made a way where there seemed to be no way. But what God was testing was obedience and loyalty. Why is it that God tests Abraham and that he would still test you and me and that Jesus would even include it in the Lord's prayer that we would pray it like, don't let me yield to the test, but let me come through the test like Abraham did, displaying my obedience and loyalty. Why would God still test us today? God tests you and me to see our obedience and loyalty to him. But the flip side of that is so that you can see your obedience and loyalty to him. So many of us, we don't have a, we don't have a high self-image of ourselves, especially when it comes to spirituality, especially when it comes to following God and his word, because to follow God and his word is such a, 
it feels like a daunting task, right? I mean, who of us in this room or indoor plat has ever lived completely holy? None of us have. So we've all fallen short. You know, in our sin, we've all fallen short of God's expectation, but that was the plan so that Christ had an incredible purpose in our life. But the enemy, he will beat us up. And, you know, one of the incredible things about, our, about us and the way God made us is that our mind can remember the craziest details even when you don't want to remember them. It's like the things I want to remember, I can't, and the things I want to forget, I can't forget. Like, I want to forget some of my past. I want to get it out of me, but it's yet it's stuck there. I want to remember your name, but I can't do it because I got all this RAM taken up. You know what I'm saying, right? You're following me on that. And so the enemy uses that and he just beats us up and beats us up and makes us feel worthless to the point like, I'm just not going to be, over to be able to overcome it. So when the test comes from God and we pass the test, it's as if God shows you the mirror and he goes, look, you're more than you thought you were. Look at the loyalty and the obedience. So it's not just what God sees, but it's what you see. So guys, temptation, and I'll interchange the words temptation and test because that's what Jesus did. Temptation isn't designed to make you fail. It's designed to make you stronger. The test or temptation isn't designed to make you a sinner. It's designed to make you good. That's what it's for. Just like metal. Like metal that gets used in big construction projects, right? It has to be tested to its breaking point so that the engineers can know how much weight can we actually put on this piece of metal? How much cantilever can we use, you know, to like create this awning? How much strength does this piece of metal have? And they push it to its breaking point and then they back off from that some percentage and they go, this is how much weight we can put on it. So they put it through the test. Our testing is in, the same, in, a, in a similar manner but it's used so that God can do greater things through us. Our testing prepares us for the greater things. Just like in metal, again, like you take silver and you melt down silver in its raw form. And when you melt it down, all the dross and imperfections come to the top and you scrape it off and then it hardens again. And then you melt it again and the impurities come and you do that over and over and over again. In the manner of the woman that's working the metal, here's what they're looking for. They're looking for a physical effect that once they get the metal to a certain purity, they start seeing their reflection back in the metal. That in that pool of silver in its melted state, they would see their reflection back. And guys, I want you to know that in a similar way, when we go through the tests that God has for us, we're going through them so he can purify us, so that he can see his image in us. And I don't know about you, I want to live to be a man where my life reflects more of the image of Christ tomorrow than it did yesterday. And I want that for our church. And I want that for you. And that's why today I'm going to bring this message to you. Because I want you, I want you later in, in, in life, I want you to be saying, look, there's more of Jesus in me. I can see his reflection. I can see his impact through my life. I can tell you about others who are following Christ because of me. So guys, when we pray, don't let us yield to temptation. This is what we're acknowledging. We're acknowledging that we have a desperate need for the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us through the test. When we say, 
Lord, don't let me yield to temptation. It's like, I need you, Holy Spirit, to be my leader right now. I confess that if I lead through this test, we're going to fail. But if you lead me through this test, we're going to overcome. And that's where, that's where temptation is overcome. Temptation is overcome when my soul surrenders to God's spirit. And when my will diminishes so that God's will can increase. So let me model that for you and let's explain it by talking about the two classic ways that we really walk through temptation. We first, we, we face temptation from outside. We all have like different triggers, right? We all have these different things that trigger our, our sinful kind of nature that's, that's in this world that kind of like makes me kind of go, whoa, what's that? And I, I start going towards the light, like a bug flies to the light, right? Instead of like staying on the course where Jesus wants me to go. And what one man's tempted of and falls easily to, another man is super strong at. As an example, like some, somebody can walk into a restaurant and they can order a beer and, and drink it with their meal and it doesn't lead to anything else. While another man, if he does the very same thing, it will lead to drunkenness every time because he has no filter. It's like that's, just, that's where his weakness is at. So one man's strength can easily become another man's weakness. And the reason for that is because of peer pressure. And we deal with the pressures of life and we deal with the pressures from one another and we never outgrow it in life. And, and, the, and the reason why we never outgrow it is because we're influential people. God designed you and me to be influencers. We influence one another. The people that you have closest to you influence the way you think. They might influence the way you dress. They might influence the activities that you're a part of. And it goes both ways, by the way. Like you're influencing them and they're influencing you. People you have around you makes all the difference in the world how you're gonna face the temptations that are outside of us. And listen to what Proverbs 13 has to say about that. It says, walk with the wise and become what? Wise. Associate with fools and get what? Trouble. Walk with the wise you get wise. Associate with the fools, I get fools. You, you, know what I, you know what I hear when I read that passage? If you can just let me just stop for a moment and give you the Jeff Baker, you know, interpretation of that passage, it's this, that old habits can be reborn. That's the first one that stands out to me. There's too many people that I know who came through a very dark season and passed the test, surrendered their life to Jesus, only to be back in the same old junk that they started in. It's ludicrous. It's crazy. It's as if a person was in jail, they got out, and they longed for the jail cell again. A person was in chains. They were a slave to something. They got set free from it. They felt the freedom. They knew the freedom, man. They're celebrating the freedom. They're walking with people in freedom all the way to the point where they got so confident that they could get close to the sin again and they're right back in it again. Because when you walk with the fools, you get in trouble. And old habits get reborn again back into our lives. If that's you today, there is freedom again. If you're, tap, if you're tiptoeing up against the line and you're thinking like, I'm stronger now, I just want you to know today, stay away from the line. Back off. 
Don't let old habits be reborn again. Don't hang around the fools and think that you're the, you're the wise one and you're going to change the fools. Because when you hang around the fools, you get in trouble. But the scripture also tells me that godly habits can be established. That when the wise hang out with the wise, something happens. God moves. That when the meaning, the wise being the godly, like when you hang out with the godly, it's amazing how it transforms you and it changes you. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you live. So there's these pressures coming from the outside on us all the time. So here's a practical application. Who do you need to gain distance from today? Who's in your inner circle that you need to go, probably need to get a little distant from that person. And I'm still going to love them. I'm not talking about not loving people. I'm just saying that person is the fool in the circle in that sense. And from a scriptural sense, I need to back away from them. Who in your life do you need to gain some distance from? And then on the reverse, who do you need to get closer to? That person may not even be in your life right now. But who you're going to get closer to, let me just say something about that for a minute. If you're expecting the person that you want to get closer to, that you need in your life to help you overcome some of the temptation and some of the tests that you're going to walk through that are going to come at you from the outside, here's what I want you to know today. That person's probably not going to come to you. You're going to have to go to them. So if you're sitting around with your arms crossed going, well, it'd be really cool if I had that person in my life, but, you know, just wait for them to ask me. Lower your pride. Get humble. Go to them and tell them, I need you in my life right now. And here's the reason why. Humble ourselves and ask for those people to be a part of your life. Guys, look, don't try to find people that are going to let you live a marginal life. Don't find friends teenagers that are here today. Don't, don't find friends that are going to let you live a marginal life. Find people that are going to help you become the greatest potential you could be. You're looking for a spouse to be with for the rest of your life? Don't find somebody that's going to let you be marginal. Find somebody that's going to call you to the highest potential that God designed you for. That's just, that's just the way it ought to be. When you're looking for people that are going to be closest to you, don't, don't find the people that are going to let you just be mediocre. Find the people that are going to call you to a greater purpose. Those people are going to be full of the Holy Spirit. Those people are going to be committed to Christ. Those people are going to be all in with Jesus. I guarantee you. You're not going to find a person that's going to call you to your highest potential for God's purpose if they don't have Christ in their heart first. Oh, they'll call you to a purpose, but that purpose most often will serve their needs, not God's needs. So there are people in this world that can call out the best in you, but it won't be to bring glory to God. It'll be, it'll be to bring glory to them and their bottom line. So be very, very careful who you start with because it will determine how you end. You start with people that are Christ-centered. You end Christ-centered. You start with people man-centered. You're Christ-centered. You end man-centered. You're going, well, I'm stronger than that, Jeff. I consider myself to be a pretty strong person. I'm not that strong, and, nor are, and neither are you. So don't fool ourselves. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need each other because there are forces on the outside trying to crush us. But then there are also temptations from within. And I think this is maybe the bigger challenge because we tend to be our own worst enemies. It's our secret actions, our secret thoughts, 
our secret motives that are rotting us really from the inside out. And we are like the masters of deception. We're, we're so masterful at deception, we deceive ourselves. We look into the mirror and we're like, that's pretty good. That's, that smells pretty good. Yeah, I'm not that bad. I wear those socks for the fifth day in a row. It's not bad. Like dealing, socks was like the metaphor for sin, by the way. Like we'll deceive ourselves, but we also deceive others. We deceive others. We make ourselves look really good on the outside when we're totally rotten on the inside. I remember as like a kid at my grandparents' house. And um, my, grand, my grandparents had this like cookie jar. I've told you about this one before because it, it's like, I need that cookie jar. It's like this little teddy bear. I can still see it. Its head comes off. That's a little weird. I get it. But it's the way, it's the way it was. Like the head comes off. It's got this little Buddha belly, you know. And everything inside of it is going to give you one as well. But you're like, that's okay. That's all right. I'm just a kid, right? I got, I got calories to burn. And I remember, man, there was times when I'd ask grandma, hey, can we, can we get a snack out of the cookie jar? And when she said yes, you were just like giddy, right? You're like, yeah, all right. And she gives it to you and you eat it and it's awesome. It gives you sugar to burn for like the next five minutes as a kid. But then there are those moments when the kitchen lights are out and grandma's in the living room or she's upstairs and grandpa's working outside and you're like, I think I deserve something. I deserve something from that Buddha belly cookie jar. And you walk over to it and you have to reach up because it sits up on the counter in the back. And you've got to quietly lift the head of that porcelain thing up and off without it going clink, 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 clink. And you get it off and you sit it down and then you reach back in and you can't see. And you're feeling around and you're like, there's not enough sweets in here. Then you find the one, and it's like squishy, squishy, and you pull that thing out, right? Because this is actually what happened, and it's got cellophane on it, and I'm like, yes, it's a little Debbie cake. This is awesome. It's a Susie Q filled with all that white stuff, like that, like donuts for me. I like the donuts filled with all the white stuff. Anybody else with me? I think, I think it ought to be legal to take those donuts and stick one of those big, like, straws into it and just... And just throw the donut away. <laughs> Have some espresso. Grab another one. <laughs> Be like, ah. Let's try that before, like, next Sunday sermon, right? It's Easter, by the way. You got to have extra energy. Um, so I remember I got this thing. I got it down, and it's got cellophane, and you're trying to be quiet. And I tear the cellophane, and I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I'm like, you got to eat this quick. <laughs> Disgusting. You wonder why? It was moldy on the inside. It was disgusting. I'm like, I'm spitting stuff out and like, ah, and I'm crying like a little kid, you know. And grandma finds out what's happening. And I learned my lesson that day, guys. I learned my lesson. You know the lesson I learned? Cut your treats in half before you eat them. That's the lesson I learned. (laughs) If I would have learned the right lesson, like don't eat the treats, I probably could have saved a few pounds. Cut the treats in half. But to the point, the outward, the outward can really deceive you for a while from the inward. But sooner or later, the rottenness of the inward is going to come out and you're going to be found out. Jesus dealt with this issue when he was talking about um, some trees and some fruit in Matthew chapter 7. He said, look, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And a bad tree 
cannot produce good fruit. He's basically saying this, that a good tree, from the nutrients that it sucks up from the, from the ground and the water and its growth, it produces good fruit from the inside out. That's what a good tree ought to do. And a bad tree doesn't do that. So it's from the inside out that we produce these types of things. So when we're dealing with the sin and the te- or the temptation, excuse me, from the inside of us, here's what we need to do. We need to recognize, number one, God isn't the one who tempts us. But we tempt ourselves. James talked about that. We tempt ourselves and we have an enemy who's waging war against us to tear us down. What should we do? We should submit our lives to Christ on a daily basis. And I want to encourage you to do something that I do. Call on the power of the Holy Spirit on a minute-by-minute basis in your life based on what you're facing. Don't be ashamed that five minutes ago I had to say, Holy Spirit, I need, I need your power. I need your, I need your authority. I need, I need your guidance in my life to overcome, overcome this test or overcome this temptation. And then five minutes from then, do it again. I don't care how often you have to recognize your dependency and need on the Holy Spirit to overcome temptation and testing that comes your way. I don't care how many times you have to do it. And by the way, neither does God. If it's got to be every five minutes of every single day, then call out on your dependency on the Holy Spirit and lead godly lives. That's what he's calling us to do. So remember this equation and when you think about, you know, how to overcome the temptation and the testings of our lives. Remember this, that when God's kingdom is greater than your kingdom, you start overcoming temptation. Meaning, when Jesus sits on the throne of my life, and me on the throne of my life diminishes, I overcome temptation. And when God's will is greater than your will, you begin to overcome temptation as well. Which brings us right back to where Jesus started off in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, that's how I memorized it, hallowed be thy name, your name is holy. May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He brought us right back to that same place when he ended the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13, when he said these words. And don't let us yield to temptation, that's what we've been talking about, but now let's finish on this. But rescue us from the evil one. He started us off with acknowledge the fact that our Father is in heaven and that you want his kingdom to come from heaven into this earthly vessel and for him to sit on the throne of our lives and for him to have the supreme authority over our lives. And then Jesus brings us right back to this same kingdom theme when he says, look, one day heaven is literally going to come to earth and he's going to crush the enemy that's against you. He's going to rescue you from the evil one. One day, Satan, who is allowed to tempt you today, is going to be crushed. And today, today we face temptation from Satan. I got it. But there's a day coming when our Father in heaven is going to say this, enough. It's enough. And when he says enough, he's going to turn to his son and he's going to say, go get your church. And Jesus is going to come back and he's going to reign and he's going to rule again on this earth like the Bible teaches us for a thousand years. And then we will spend eternity with God from that day on. 
That day is coming. So when we pray, rescue us from the evil one, it's less about Satan, church. I want you to hear that. When you pray, rescue us from the evil one, it's less about the adversary, it's less about the enemy, and it's more about a hopeful prayer and a hopeful cry for God's kingdom to come in your life and on this earth physically as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus brought us back to. So he starts with that attitude and he ends with that attitude. It's the bookends of the Lord's prayer. I never, ever want you to look at that scripture the same again. We read it and we're like, wow, we've got some big battle, this big enemy that's gonna crush us. Well, he can crush you. There's no doubt about that. But he's, he's powerless compared to Christ. He has no authority compared to Christ. There is no battle that will happen compared to what Christ will do with a single word when he crushes him underneath his foot. That's a prophetic word all the way back from Genesis. That's what Jesus will do. So please pray, rescue us from the evil one with an attitude of may your kingdom come and may your will be done. So there's probably about three different basic groups that are here today. Some of you, you need to ask God to forgive you because you've been blaming him for the tempting and for your failing in the temptation. You've been blaming God that he's the one that's been tempting you to seduce you to sin. And I'm telling you today, God doesn't seduce anybody to sin. That's not his character and it's not his nature. And you need to ask him to forgive you for that. There's a second group. Some of you guys are walking through a testing time right now. It's a testing time. And I want you to seek the power of the Holy Spirit today. I want you to ask him, Holy Spirit, come, give me wisdom, give me guidance. Let your power and let your authority reign and rule in my life so that as I walk through this season of testing, I will come out on the other side displaying my obedience, my loyalty, and my spiritual maturity to the Lord that I will come out better than I went in. But there's a third group of you. The third group of you is that you're in, you're in a season, you're in a moment where you're just overcome with the temptations and addictions of this world. And it's like you can't break free from it. I want you to know today, there's freedom from your addiction. There's freedom from the sin of the temptation that you keep falling to day after day after day. There's freedom in Jesus' name today. And there's sustained freedom by stepping away from some moving toward others, and by calling on the name of, of the Lord to rescue you and to save you, and then fleeing from the very things that tempt, that tempt you. All of that is all biblical. All of it is. In the name of Jesus, chains can be broken in this place today. But to keep the chains off, we've got to distance ourselves from some, get close to others, and we've got to flee from the very things that tempt us. All while calling on the name of Jesus to give us the complete authority and power to overcome it. You're in one of those three groups today, in some capacity, in some shape, in some form. And I just want to challenge you as we move into this time of worship to call on the name of the Lord and invite him. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Lord, would you give us the power and the authority to resist, right, and to overcome the temptation of the testing. Let us be faithful through that. And Lord, we're looking forward to the day when you will rescue us from the evil one. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. Why don't you stand with me and let's pray. So Jesus, 
We come to you because you are our source of hope, our source of strength, our source of freedom. Because of what you did on the cross and overcoming the grave, you, you easily overcome the, the enemy. You easily overcome Satan, our adversary. You easily overcome him. Lord, may we call upon your name today to find strength in you, to find hope in you through the power of your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and guidance to live lives of obedience and loyalty and spiritual maturity before you. Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for everyone that hears my voice today. They would be reminded, they would be reminded, Lord, that greater is he, Jesus, who is in us than he who is in the world. That, that, that we'd be reminded that there's a day coming when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ raise first and those who are still alive will meet Christ in the air. That there is a day that's coming. Let us never forget it. That there is a day that's coming when, Jesus, you establish your throne and your kingdom on this earth physically. But until that day comes, may your kingdom come in my heart. May your kingdom come in my actions and in my motives and in my thoughts and in my beliefs. May your kingdom come in the hearts of those who hear my voice today. That as we cry out on the name of Jesus and cry out to the name of Jesus, that, Lord, you would come and penetrate the darkness of our heart and establish your throne once again in our lives. And may you be our leader, and may you be our Lord from this day forward. So Lord, we take these next few minutes to worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name.